0: We're live.
1: One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to West by Pod, a podcast about WVU sports, the Big 12, and some stress-free college football Saturdays. I'm Joel Bracken. On Twitter, I'm at WVStatsGuy. Joined as always by Jordan Pinto. He's at Game Day Shorts. Jordan, West Virginia wins on a Thursday night. Some fantastic games on Saturday. And you know, you already got the, the big W in the bag. How was your college football Saturday?
0: Absolutely amazing, man. You said it all. You said it all. We get the W. We get things kicked off, really, with a banger of a game on Thursday night, right? Where, uh, you know, you see the contrast between our product, the college football product, and then just the string of just absolute slogs that the NFL has had on Thursday nights. <laughs> um, but anyways, we get it kicked off with a banger. We get the win, which obviously helps. And then, yeah, you go into a, into a Saturday where, um, you know, if you, if you're a, if you're a college football is a superior product to the NFL guy, like this is one of the Saturdays that you, that you point to and just ask, ask people what the hell they're thinking. Because I mean, some decent games early, but then, you know, the three thirty slate almost had more good games than you could pay attention to. Um, you know, you have obviously Tennessee, Alabama. Um, TCU, Oklahoma State was great. So, yeah, just peak, uh, peak college football viewing experience this weekend.
1: Yeah, a beautiful weekend if you're a fan of the sport. Um, yeah, unless you have a strong rooting interest in Alabama, I don't know how you watch the end of that Tennessee game and, and think there's a better sport out there than college football with, you know, just the exciting action on the field, crazy fourth quarter, and the entire scene afterwards. Like, that's Scenes. probably why you and me care about you know college sports so much, and that's why a lot of people do. Because that was just you know that was that was bottled that up right there. That is peak. Uh, and then you know on your other screen, you got TCU Oklahoma State massive game, awesome finish, double overtime. So yeah, hell of a weekend. Um, but guess what? The Mountaineers also got massive W. Might have been you know a little afterthought at the by that point, but you get a huge win on Thursday. So pod today, to be honest, this is a this is a jam packed So We got Baylor review. We got, we'll talk Big 12 recap, pre-cap quickly. We got mid-season grades because West Virginia, six games through a 12-game season, regular season, uh, you know, because we're still going to push for the playoffs. So still additional games to go. And then we're going to break down the Texas Tech Red Raiders. That is the next team up on the schedule. So I'd say let's not waste any
0: time. Let's get into Baylor. Uh, Jordan, you want to get us started there? For sure, man. So uh, Baylor coming in. Uh, pretty pretty notoriously well documented. 0 and five in Morgantown coming in, uh, coming into this game, and so you know you have them coming in on a Thursday night in Morgantown, which used to mean something. Baylor's coming in favored, were the home dogs, uh, so a little bit of extra extra stink on the game. I you know I think for for me, um, crowd was crowd was about what I w- what I expected I, is what I would say. I think there were about forty five thousand in there, and it's the same mm-hmm. forty five thousand that have been in there that you know, when we've been in our, in our down patches over the last three years, I guess is what I'd say. But, you know, once, um, a little bit, a little bit of restlessness early. Um, I think everybody was pumped that, you know, I mean, came out, the offense came out firing, looked great. Uh, Baylor, Baylor punches back, goes up 17, seven at one point. Um, And then, you know, the, the scoop and score happens. Right. And from that point on, it's just an absolute rollicking good time. You know, I don't think I sat down. I generally don't sit down very often anyways, but, um, (laughs) my section, my section was on its feet for pretty much from pretty much, you know, mid second quarter on, you know, the crowd was locked in. The crowd was loud. The 45,000 that were there were, were, were absolutely uh, engaged and you know, got an exciting W out of it. So I don't know. I mean, a lot of, a lot of really good things to take away. What do you, uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, tons of fun things to, to take away from that game. Um, the crowd was loud for the size; you could hear it on the, you know, on the TV. Yeah. You could, you could tell as the swings were going through. Um, you know, I, I think it's important to remember the context of this game because before this game, it was like backs against the wall. You had ten, nine days to prepare; like you yep. got to come out here and perform, um, and you did. I mean, the, the, the complaint is you know, there's been so many games, Neil Brown's been so close in all these games and you don't find a way to do it down the stretch. This game wasn't pretty. There were some fluky things. We had some bounces go our way, but ultimately, um, you found a way to pull it out at the end. And that's, you know, that's been the missing formula. So, you know, obviously you have an injured quarterback on the other side, unfortunate situation there, you know, some, some balls hit the ground and bounce into your hands. Guys are in the right places when, when those balls are bouncing around, but you know, you get the damn thing done and that's, I mean, that's all we care about. That's all, that's all you need to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, ultimately you feel good and you get this win and hopefully the momentum grows from this win. This is a team that won
0: the big 12 last it's year. It's a significant win. Yeah. You know, I, we, we've talked a lot about, they, they lost a lot of talent. Um, for sure. I expected some regression this year, but this is still, like you said, they're there. The team is full of people who won a big 12 championship. There's a certain amount of pride that comes with that. Um, you know, I think there there are still enough of the guys from last year where, you know, the talent drop-off is not so spectacular where I expect Baylor to go out and, and finish, you know, at the bottom of the conference here. You know, this is a team that uh, has a lot of very good players, maybe just not the top-end NFL talent that they had last year, but a team that's full of really good players. And, and you know, you went out and and kind of stuck in on them. You know, I mean, by the end of that game, you could tell that they they did not want to, you know – they did not want to play defense on us by the end of that game. You could kind of tell just with the way we were gashing them at the end. Um, but yeah, no, a super big statement win in a game that we absolutely had to have. Um, the team has not quit on Neil Brown. I think that is very apparent um, for for all of the you know you, you go on the message boards, you go on social media. The you know there are, is a not insignificant portion of the of Mountaineer Nation that has maybe given up on Neil Brown, but the team is still very much bought in. And I you know I think this is the kind of win, dude. We've we've had so much of that kind of shit happen to us over the last three years. We can't apologize when, you know, we get yeah. one good bounce um, that we end up picking up and running back. You know, so I thought, I mean, I thought it was a great win. And Neil Neil Brown after the game kind of said that's, that's the message he's been pre- preaching to the team. You do enough things right for a long enough time. Sooner or later, some of these things are going to bounce your way. And to have it actually happen, you know, this is the kind of thing where, can, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but it, it is the kind of a thing that could swing a season potentially. Now we have to go out and go on the road in a place where we haven't had a whole lot of success uh, this week, which which we'll get into. But it is this is this is the kind of thing that could turn a season around.
1: Yeah, and I, I won't, you know, by any means say that this game was gifted to us. I think we were probably more fortunate than Baylor just with, you know, some of those luck plays that happen. You know, the the blocked extra point run back. That's a three-point swing. That's a field goal yeah. right there. Huge. Um, and then, the you know, the scoop and score was, you know, obviously a great play, getting, you know, punching the ball out, great, you know, athleticism on the return, but also like just right place, right time, right bounce, uh, everything just, you know. So those are kind of, I'm not saying 10 free points, but 10 points that you probably don't expect in the, this game happening again. Um, but winning cures all. I mean, that's, you know, you win these games, you find a way to get out of here. And the narrative is like, whoa, what a solid win. What a You know, you had, your practice against the ball. You know, don't forget we had a false start on the goal line. Then you call a timeout. We had a muff punt. The coverage there in the second quarter was like the tweets were like being typed. Um, you know, of like, let's let's get Neil out of here. Cause there was but there were so many moments in the game when um you know, I feel like it felt like, okay, this could be it. Like we're down, we're down 17-7, or you know, JT throws the pick late in the game, you know, the third quarter, you go down like there there are plenty of moments where like you said, I think the team kept fighting. Plenty of adversity. You get some lucky things. You do things right, and things went your way. You come out of there with a win. That's all people care about. That's all people re- will remember. So, yeah, I think we were due, and, um, man, a hell of a win. I mean, okay, so do you think this is the best and or most exciting win in the, the Neil Brown West Virginia era?
0: Uh, I mean, it's it's got to be – you know the virginia tech ones might taste a little a little bit sweeter just because of the mm-hmm. opponent but um in terms of quality of opponent uh quality of the game i would say I, you know this is right there with iowa state as as probably the best one uh that that i can remember i was at both of them you know this is the same kind of game where man the crowd was just desperate for something to cheer about and the guys gave us something to cheer about you know it, it, and so it turned into a really fun night um and and you know to to get the win is just is just the icing on top. I think there were uh, obviously uh, a ton of really good performances that that I think we need to talk about as well. Um, yeah. You know, you have Tony Mathis kind of kind of uh, showing the version of himself that he showed last year. Maybe the version that we were kind of expecting this offseason when when some of us are um, you know not uh, not ignoring the loss of Letty Brown, but but, but maybe thinking that we're going to go be okay in spite of it um thought mathis played great he had 21 carries 163 yards two touchdowns um some really nifty runs in there where you know he's kind of doing that slashing thing that he did last year we just haven't seen a whole lot of it this year um and then i think the other one uh well offensive line as a whole i think that was considering the opponent probably the best game they've played under uh you know the neil brown matt Moore era um but then the other individual performance caden prather is really just uh seems like he's got his feet under him now man um you know, he's kind of every week gets better every week. Uh, he was unguardable. Um, he gets he gets open against anybody. He's got a huge catch radius. He's a big physical dude out there. And, uh, you know, it feels like he's kind of making the leap in front of our eyes, which is really cool to see, you know, going from maybe more of a support or, or, or a tertiary player to this is going to be the dude going forward into the second half of the year. So um, I think all those things were, were really encouraging. Anybody? Who do you, you want to call out?
1: Yeah, I think Mathis, and it's an interesting thing. I know Neil Brown talked about it in the presser afterward, was talking about, and maybe Mathis mentioned this as well. Definitely his best game of the season. Like you said, this is what we thought we were getting with him. Neil mentioned his decisiveness, yeah. um, but I would also, and it's almost like the antonym, but I would almost also counter with like his patience. Like some of those big runs were like, you know, you would have like an outside zone and it would be cut off, and he would, you know, almost like reset come you know have that strong cut back and you know find the lane so i think there was he was just running wild i mean he was he was finding the hole there were so many plays where he at least like somebody got a hand on him at or around the line of scrimmage Mm -hmm. that he turned into like very positive successful plays um so i you know i do think a tribute to him also the offensive line was you know i think was pretty dominant this is a really good defensive front uh for baylor Uh, obviously uh like uh, I think, was injured for a little bit, but, you know, he clogs up the middle there. So I think the offensive line just also, I think, is getting better and better, giving yeah. JT time to throw. Um, and then, yeah, the receivers, no no drops. Pray looking like a weapon. Reese Smith out there making crazy grabs. Yep. Br- Bryce Ford Wheaton contributing, especially when you give him some space. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, an awesome night all around for the offense. Um, what did we score, 40 points, 43 points? I mean, you, you know, you're lighting up the scoreboard moving the ball, you feel good. And I think one thing that really stood out to me too was, you know, I don't know how much you attribute this to the coaching or the game plan, but the first drive of both the first half and the second half, absolutely surgical. They were long, like high play drives that just dinked and dunked exactly what we talked about on the pod last week, like having a high success rate, not explosive, but just continuing chunk, 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 yep. um, coming out in the second half and watching that drive, um, both running back slashing it up. We're moving the ball consistently like that. And still like, okay, I think we're here to fight in this game. Like, we, you know, we're here to, to come and win this thing. So um, yeah, offense as a whole, I mean, hell you, you score around 40 points. You can't, can't be too upset. I think they did their job.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, if we're, if we're going to blame the coaches for, for, you know, dropped passes or, or muffed punts, then we do have to give the coaches credit for something like that. That is likely much more direct result of, of, their actions you know the game planning like you said very well scripted drives coming out um to to start the game to start the half um I noticed we're not talking a whole lot about the defense Uh, probably good reason there because Baylor threw for about 7,000 yards uh on us um the secondary really struggling out there I thought the linebackers really struggled in coverage as well but um we're a couple positives uh you know obviously you have Darius Stills um or, jeez, Darius, Dante still is tying the all-time <laughs> tackle for loss, uh, marks so of something that he's probably going to break and, and be the all-time leader in, um, you know, before before the end of the season. I thought Sean Martin played great. I know he got hurt. Um, he's on the depth chart right now, so I don't know if that was anything lingering. Um, but, uh, he, you know, he was he was having an outstanding game. I think he had six tackles and a hand, you know, a couple pressures and only 20, 25, 26 snaps, something like that. So definitely when he was out there, he was making his presence felt um, and then, you know, the same handful of guys, Burks, Burks has been awesome he quietly. It's, it's, it, it feels weird to praise a guy in the secondary because as a whole, they've been so bad, but, uh, he has not been the problem. You know, the guy has been in the right spots all year. He made another, you know, handful of plays against Baylor, obviously got the interception. Um, he's been tackling really well. Um, I don't know. I think on the defense, we're, we're kind of getting to a point where, you know, we're still, we're obviously bad. We're, We're bad. Um mm-hmm. but there are some strengths starting to emerge that I, I i think considering the track record of this team in the second half of the year during the neil brown era, and there's no doubt you know we've we haven't been good overall, but we've been good in the second half of seasons, and so I'm wondering you know you, you see people like pa, uh, Kogba, uh mclaurin coming downhill um spells making some splash giving up some plays but get, making some splash plays too i i'm I'm thinking there's maybe some strengths emerging on defense where, you know, there's still going to be some holes, but but maybe some things that we can kind of start to to leverage and and use to attack teams um going forward as opposed to, you know, playing on the back foot a good bit for the first uh several several games this year. I don't know, what do you what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think some I think Neil called it the bend, don't break kind of mentality. And it's like, yeah, I, I think at this point, you just know that this team is going to give up chunk plays. or are going to get gashed downfield, like on these long, like they were Baylor was just running like the same route across the middle, like a deep yeah. post. And then they would have that guy kind of like trailing like a one clear out one trail. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, it was just working. I think we might've figured it out in the second half, but um yeah, I mean, we, you heard it on West by pod last week. Uh, West Virginia defensive analyst Jordan Pinto called out, you need to get uh, Koba in space coming in and blowing people up. Clearly, he's looking like, you know, when he's coming after a guy and like the quarterback, he had I mean, that sack. He just absolutely planted the guy versus yeah. you see him in coverage. You know, it's one of those things. You, you said it maybe need to consider a position change or like, you know, kind of a role change in that position. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there are bright spots. There are plenty of dark spots as well. Charles Woods, I'm so curious, and it's it's such a shame that we're halfway through the season and we really don't know the effect. But, man, if Charles Woods could just take away a side of the field or a number one receiver, um, you just wonder what this defense can do. You wonder if this secondary could figure some things out um, if you kind of take away half the field. Because I do feel like we don't have – there's no guy who's like, all right, this assignment, I got it. Everyone's just, you know – it's can you trying to piece it together and you know, so I I think the defense is is just gonna be a bend, don't break, and you have to have successful red zone trips. And, you know, who cares about yards? Yards aren't points, but you gotta lock it down in your own half the field. Also, talked about it last week, The opportunistic, like havoc plays. Obviously the scooping score was big. The pick in, you know, West Virginia territory was big. Those are the kinds of things you might just have to, you know, high risk, high reward you get two or three of those a game you also give up two or three big gashes maybe that you know maybe that's the formula
0: just yeah just live with it yeah no completely agree and i mean that that interception was a direct result we had we had dudes hanging all over um what was his name drones we had dudes hanging all over him um and you know we didn't we didn't really go after shape in a ton i don't feel like i don't know if maybe we thought that it wouldn't matter as much but once the backup got in there i do think we definitely turned up the heat a little bit and and it and it you know in the fourth quarter it paid dividends um, he was he was pretty shaky for their, their last couple drives, um, you know, especially on the quick turnaround after the JT pick, uh, and then the the game winning, or well, you know, their attempt at a game winning drive. Uh, he looked he looked pretty pretty flustered. So um, yeah, the woods the woods thing's interesting. Obviously, uh, so we're recording this on Monday night. Neil Neil talks to the media on Tuesday. I imagine we'll have um a little bit more context. At that point, I know last week he mentioned that maybe he was a week away, and then came out and said, "Well, maybe he's a week away from being a week away." Um, yeah, I mean, this would be, the, you know, you're, you're <laughs> playing Texas Tech; it would be a good week to get him back. I, I don't know if maybe yeah. that's that that would be rushing him back and throwing him just straight into the fire. Um, but yeah, curious to curious to see what the situation is there.
1: I agree. I I just. You know, like I said, it's a shame that we don't know the Charles Woods effect. I mean, he was a, you know, all all Big 12 player at the beginning of yep. the season. Like, you know, he's a shutdown kind of guy. Um, I don't know how much you watched of the the TCU game or the Iowa State game. There are some receivers in this conference you really would like to just take predominantly out of the situation. Um, there are some dudes that we have not played yet who... I am not looking forward to playing if, well, if we do is. not have a better plan in the secondary. They are looming. Yeah, so they are looming on the horizon. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, we we need him back at some point. You know, obviously, I don't know what his NFL prospect chances are. You know, things like that. But you know, for this team, for this season, it you know you never know. It could it could shirt up some things. It could duct tape some things together in that secondary, and you feel good. But you know, that's not what happens. It's, it's, we're talking about Baylor, and ultimately, you had plenty of gashes. You figured it out, you know, you, you did. You made just enough plays to get this thing done. And, yep. you know, like I said, at the end of the day, the margins are thin in these, these games. Um, I, I, I do want to just quickly consider the flip side of the Baylor perspective. Um, just I wonder how they're feeling after this game. They just lost to the uh, air quote worst team in the Big 12 uh, coming off the you know Big 12 champion season. So I'm sure this was quite the, uh, the kick in the teeth for them. Uh, walking out of Morgantown 0 six now um, so but you know it feels good to give some some team that medicine this year because you know I, 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 bo- I think we both said it but it, it felt like we were due it felt like we were due to give this to somebody
0: I' I'll, I'll, I'll live on a little bit of schadenfreude, man I want people to feel I want people to feel the way that we feel you know I want people to feel the way that we <laughs> no <Yeah>. but uh, <laughs> but yeah it is whoever whoever started the uh, the West Virginia worst team in the in the conference propaganda campaign. Uh, pat yourself on the back because holy shit, has that been successful? I don't know. I don't understand. We're seeing it again this week with the line. We'll talk. We'll get into that. The the lines moved three points for Texas Tech uh, since yesterday. So, yeah. um. Anyways, uh, anything else on Baylor? Should we should we do? I know we got a we got a full slate here, so we just get into oh, recap. Oh, recap.
1: One more. I want to just just quickly. Casey Leg, absolute money, dude's oh, automatic. A stud. Um, we I'm, haven't asked like too much of him this year like he hasn't been drilling 50 yarders right the dude doesn't I mean you know every every short thing he is automatic within 40 yards and that's just such a security you know field goals aren't always what you want when you're inside of 40 yards but when you need one to win the game really had little to no doubt like this dude's money
0: it it makes the decision easy uh yeah when you when you know that when you know that three points is you have three points in your pocket if you want it right
1: so. Your expected points are like two point nine when he's yeah. kicking it. Yep. So yeah, you feel good. So yeah, shout out
0: Casey, killing it. Shout out Casey. All right, let's do a little, uh, little, do a little recap, precap. Um, so twelve o'clock slate, we had Kansas, Oklahoma. Um, I was, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I was, I was trying to, trying to rebuild some dad points on, uh, on, er, you know, early in the day Saturday after being out of town on Thursday for, for our game. I only watched a little bit of this game, but I think overall the result kind of went how expected. You know, Dylan Gabriel back for Oklahoma, Jalen Daniels out for Kansas and Oklahoma. A little bit of a get right game for them, maybe. Um, what would you think?
1: Yeah, kind of same thing. Just sort of what you would expect, a little regression to the mean for both teams. Kansas coming back to earth, especially with Daniels out and Oklahoma coming off the, you know, off the mat because they were 0-3 in conference. So, you know, yeah, I I, I don't think any huge takeaways here
0: yep all right that brings us to uh to texas iowa state um don't think i was really surprised here either uh you know texas has been flying high this just had the the makings i don't texas was favored by fifteen and a half uh going in i think i saw, either saw or heard a stat that matt campbell iowa state has never lost by more than 17 um and there's been some pretty bad football teams mixed in there um but, you know, again, we see the Iowa State defense keeps them from getting blown out and, and a little bit of signs of life from the offense. You know, they they had a chance to drive and win the game at the end of the game, ended up fumbling and uh, Texas was able to to get out of there with a win. But yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you you know, no matter what fan base it is, that hundred deckers getting yeah. hit, hit in the head. The fumble comes out right as the knee is coming down bang bang it's like a triple bang play to be honest because it's like is it targeting is he down he's getting crushed like there's a lot of stuff going on there and then no matter what fan base it is everyone everyone who uh would be in that position says that's targeting or whatever and
0: yeah because it's
1: against texas it like pisses everyone off <laughs> you know and that's just what it was it was a tough call but i would say i mean they gave themselves a chance they were moving the ball yep. with a chance to tie or win i was surprised the game was that close but you know, everybody has their week. So, um, the result expected. Yeah.
0: For sure. For sure. Then we have, uh, the, the absolute bangering of a game. Um, so Oklahoma state TCU, I think Oklahoma state went in ranked number eight TCU at 13. And apparently this was an awesome game that, uh, my attention was on Alabama, Tennessee, and I feel bad for saying that. Um, I don't, I don't feel bad. I have no regrets, but, uh, you know, uh, I went back, watched the condensed game, and yeah, Oklahoma State was up big in the first half of this game. Um, maybe stole possession. I think there was a muffed punt at one point in the first half. But, you know, up two touchdowns heading into the fourth quarter, and you let TCU claw their way back and send it to overtime and, and you know, ultimately um, ultimately win the game. I don't know. What you, would you think? I think you watched a little more of this one than I did.
1: Yeah, well, so I, I will agree. I watched I was watching Bama, Tennessee during the early parts. But as this thing got closer down the stretch, had had to go dual screen. Um, So, you know, this was going into double OT as Bama, Tennessee was deciding who wanted to make a field goal at the end. So it was like peak timing. But, um, yeah, I think this was a fantastic game. And. You know, I will say my takeaway was both a little more positive of TCU. I mean, this was a gritty, like, you know, like they really fought this thing at the end and also a little less of Oklahoma state where I don't think Oklahoma state was, I mean, we talked about it. The tier in the big 12 is like, you are in the big 12, all 10 teams. Oklahoma state is, I don't think the favorite. I don't also think TCU is like the favorite Texas. Are they the favorite? They just won off of like a field goal. Like this conference is absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, TCU, this was an impressive win. Oklahoma State, I was a little underwhelmed from the, the parts that I watched. I thought they were going to be better. But this TCU offense is potent. I mean, I think, you know, this is a team that might score 84 on us if we don't figure some things out.
0: They can sling the rock. As long as we score 87. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, Oklahoma State, so they, they came out and they, they won their three games in September, whatever. They didn't really play anybody. Um, since conference play has started, they're getting outgained on average by 100 yards a game. So, 399, 399 on offense, and they're giving up almost, fi- you know, 499, so almost 500 yards a game. Um, they got away with it the first two weeks. You know, I think we kind of talked last week about their game against Baylor was kind of a, a weird game where, you know, you talk about unaccounted four points, right? Uh, Oklahoma State had, you know, a special teams touchdown and some other stuff go their way. And then, um, you know, they beat Texas tech 41 31, uh, in a game where Texas tech looked like every bit as good. Anyways, I don't want to say they look like the better team. You you can't look like the better team and lose by 10. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it seems like it finally caught up to them. And so I wonder, you know, I would have some concerns on both sides of the ball. You know, I don't think their, their defensive line has been awesome, but I don't think their defense as a whole has really, obviously hasn't been as good as it was last year. Um, and then just the lack of playmakers on offense, you know, it seems like their only offense is Spencer Sanders run the ball, you know? Um, yeah. And, and he looks and good if, when
1: he does that. And he looks that good. Is and, it.
0: Um, but, you know, he, he, he you can't do that every time. And he still seems like, man, his fourth year as a starter, he's still good for that for that Spencer Sanders turnover where there's just, you know, no excuse to do whatever it is that he ends up doing. And he does it and gives the ball away for his team. So, um, yeah. Yeah, completely agree with you. Yeah, think more of TCU, think less of Oklahoma State after that game.
1: Yeah, and just a quick quick reflection on our our uh, top tier of our you know off season was Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. We put them in the top tier. Oklahoma cheeks, Oklahoma State, not what we thought. Our next tier was uh, was Texas and Baylor. Mm-hmm. We just beat Baylor at home. Texas, you know, they have a loss to Texas Tech. They had to grind it out this week. They look mm-hmm. great against us, but. Uh, this conference is just absolutely nuts, and I can't overstate it enough. It's it's prime viewing, but it's yeah. so stressful and so hard to predict because you know Kansas and Texas Tech were supposed to be your your bottom, and they're out here. You know, as good, good as anyone else, you,
0: you can't. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's tough. five 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 coin flips on a given weekend, man. You never know. Yeah. Yep. All right, uh, let's get into the uh, to the pre cap. So early game, we have uh, Kansas. Going to Baylor, Baylor seven and a half point favorites. Um, I think that, I don't know about the coverage coverage aspect against the spread or whatever. I'm expecting Baylor to take care of business in this one, um, especially if Shapen's back. I didn't think, I mean, it was obviously the hit on him was was 100% targeting, yeah. but it didn't look like the kind of, like a multi-week concussion kind of deal. Um, you know, when he went off, I kind of expected him to come back into our game. So I expect him to be back. I think Daniels is still going to be out. So I expect I expect Baylor to 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 handle their their business in this one.
1: Yeah, I think I said it last week, but this is one of those games where you don't know the status of either starting quarterback. So kind yeah. of weird to predict. But if you take both starting quarterbacks out, I like Baylor a lot more, especially coming off a loss. Yeah,
0: that's, that's a really good point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I think Aranda's gonna have them in shape coming off that loss. I, I yeah, I expect Baylor to roll this one.
0: All right. So then we have uh Texas going to Oklahoma State. Texas two and a half point favorites um after they're you know they've they've been on a little purple patch here. Oklahoma State obviously struggling, as we said. I don't know. I think my question in this one is is if Texas comes out firing, like can Oklahoma State score enough to keep up? Like can they hold serve? Um, you know, we just mm-hmm. kind of detailed the struggles they've had offensively. So I don't know. What do you uh what do you think there?
1: Yeah, Texas is able to score, but Texas is also the defense is highly rated. I mean, you yeah. if you subscribe to a lot of these advanced analytics, I mean they have Texas at five, six, five, like yeah. You know, it they're up there and a lot of it's also the defense. So um yeah, I, I'm not surprised to see Texas favored here, even on the road. And uh yeah, I, I would lean towards Texas in this game.
0: Yeah, I think Texas can get it done. And then that brings us to the uh, the night game. Kansas State heading to TCU. TCU only four and a half point favorites, which you know, I mean, if you if you, you say they're gonna get three points for home field, that means they think they're a point and a half better. I don't know, it felt kind of low to me based on based on um you know the way the TC TCU's looked over the last month, but regardless, only undefeated teams in the conference. So expecting a good game here. I don't know. What do you what do you what do you think?
1: Yeah, this will be an exciting game. I am surprised TCU's only favored by four and a half. Um I I don't know what TCU's run defense can do against K-State cuz K-State, you know, obviously has multiple weapons and that was the big deal last year was the TCU run defense. Um I admit I'm probably not as up on the TCU run defense yet. Um but that that would be one thing I'd watch is if, you know, that that's uh that's a thing but TCU's undefeated, which is crazy. 6 and 0, um, oh, man. 6 and 0 oh, and, you know, you have to eventually. You start becoming favorites in these types of games. They're they're a slight favorite, and yeah, I, I don't know if they if they win this. I mean, they're they're absolutely in the Big Twelve title race. I mean, they are firmly. You know, this is a a middle to top of the road team. They they can roll. You have to drop that
0: bow on them in Morgantown in two weeks, baby. That's right. Nah, but yeah, no, I think the one. I think the thing to watch in this game. Um, you know the the win aside, Spencer Sanders did have some success running the ball, uh, and Kansas State's definitely going to lean into that more than Oklahoma State does. So I think that's that's going to be the hinge. Is, you know, can Mar- if, if Martinez runs wild, K State has every chance in this game. If they can slow him down a little bit, then I don't think Kansas State can can score quite enough. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, anything else? pre-cap? That's all I got. Okay. Let's get into the uh, to the report card. How do you want to do you want to both of us uh, give our grades and then kind of talk through it or um, maybe maybe alternate and we can agree or disagree or.
1: Yeah. Let's, alternate, let's agree, disagree.
0: One. All right. Well, do you here kick us off quarterback? Go ahead.
1: Yeah. So first one's quarterback. We, we both said B plus. So we're going to go through all the position groups, give a grade, quick reason. You know, B plus. I think if you're going year over year, it's a. Uh, a to A plus, you know, in terms of improvement, but I think B plus, I think, I think JT's done his job. He I like that he isn't afraid to take the hits. He stands in, he gets the the thing done. You know, I think the only big error on the year was the pick he threw against Baylor this week. Um, you know, I think he's it's you bad. know, he just does his job. He doesn't doesn't really go outside of himself, but um definitely a dependable guy.
0: I think uh, I think where you see the upgrade the most, uh so if you just look at the raw passing numbers, it's actually concerningly similar to what we got out of Deggy last year. Right. But uh, I I think where you, where you see the improvement is in that success rate in that, in, in mostly in, or sorry, and especially the lack of negative plays. Um, I think we mentioned on the, on the preview last week, we're, we're ranked third by beta rank in in terms of negative drives. And I think a lot of that is JT, like you said, standing in there and delivering the ball where Deggy was panicking. And then also um, I don't know if this is a Graham Harrell. I mean, it's a Graham Harrell thing, but it's because he trusts JT to do it. But che- checking in and out of plays, right? You know, yeah. getting us out of a bad play and into a good one, and that's something that I don't think that we let Deggy do last year, um, for whatever reason. You know, he was bad. Maybe Neil's a little bit of control freak, whatever. But we're avoiding negative plays at a, at a very, very, in a very good way. I guess is the way that I would say it. So I think that's where you see it is just the, is that success rate. We never go backwards.
1: I would also just add to that his pocket presence is unbelievable he is not a runner like he's not going to take off and run but that thing he can do in the pocket collapses quickly and just kind of like squeeze his way out and you know by the time he might throw it away you know whatever it might not be a play but his presence he just has a feel for where the pocket is around him it's really impressive to watch
0: yep multiple multiple bad snaps this year that have resulted in completions where he just keeps his yeah. Keeps his wits about him, where, Daggy, you would, you know, either fetal position or brown stain <laughs> on backside of trousers. But yeah, no, I think, I mean, huge upgrade. I, and you said it, both B plus. I think he's been, um, you know, maybe pre injury Jalen Daniels, I would take over him. But I don't think there's anybody else in the conference I'd trade him for. So, yeah. all right, running backs. Um, I said B plus. You actually were even higher. You said A minus. Um, so you know, I think. Donaldson has obviously been the story, right? That guy has been, you know, one of the two or three best true freshmen in America. He's been one of probably the 10 or 15 best running backs overall um, before he got hurt. Um he's given us, you know, just that big play thread. He's not even that fast, but he just he just gashes people. Um and then on top of it, you add Mathis, you add Johnson, who Johnson's kind of found his feet over the last month or so. Um Mathis, honestly, I would say probably has been the worst of the three until the Baylor game. And then, you know, he gets some consistent burn and looks like the guy we were expecting. I mean, this is a, it's a really good group. They can all do different things. I, I, I think it's, we said coming into the year, this might be Neil Brown's best, best room that he's had. And I think, uh, I think that's definitely borne out. I mean, this is, we've never had a better, better backfield than we have this year.
1: Yeah, and, and maybe that's why I went just slightly higher than you with the A- is because I don't feel like in a single game the running back room has held us back. There's been a guy in every game. Justin yep. Johnson's had some burn. Donaldson's been like a workhorse. Then, you know, this week Mathis comes in. I don't feel like there's been a single game where you couldn't find the hot hand in the running back room. So, very yep. impressive. And also maybe a piggyback comment to the, Deggies, or not Deggie, the, uh, the JT Daniels numbers is – the balance is you have such hot you you have such a hot running game right now that you don't have to go throw for three fifty or four hundred. Mm-hmm. You're getting two hundred on the ground like most games. So you, yeah. you know you, you chip in two hundred through the air, keep the defense off balance. I, I think the running back room has done everything um, to really give this offense like the the open playbook to where you can just you know everything's on the table because the defense can't just make you you know cut off one dimension of your of your offense.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, they've been great. Um, better in pass protection too, which was a big uh obviously a big concern uh this offseason. Yeah. Um all right, receivers. Uh we both said B. Discuss why why B for you? So B
1: because I would say the top end has been like A minus. I would say like Prather, Bryce Ford Wheaton, um have been phenomenal. I think B because after that it's like Reese Smith, it's like Um, you know Sam James has had some some quality games some quality plays but the the receiving room is not deep and that's not necessarily bad if you're you know getting the production from these guys and we have been Um, and then also the drops you know the drops on some plays especially like the Texas game were pretty painful Um, I think you lose a a fraction of a letter grade just for the play pit like that one just is so big that That glaring yeah that that stinks but um, you know the positives have been very positive I think you know unfortunately the drop stink but you know this is a productive receiving room I think one of the better ones we've had in a while at least in terms of like rounding it out
0: yeah this is this is definitely the best again the best group that we've had in the Neil Brown era um I don't know if I put them up there with the with that 2018 group or, or the Kevin White Shelton Gibson uh you know and obviously obviously I'm not even gonna bring up Tavon and, well I brought him up Tavon and <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean the 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 highs have been high, the lows have been low, and unfortunately, very, very, very glaring. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, shoot that that Baylor game that was an A plus for me. Those guys, I think most of the year, um, J T Daniels has made J T Daniels look good, and he was he was good against Baylor, but he had some misses that those dudes made plays on, yeah. um, which I is something that's out. been missing. Yeah, he got bailed out, and and that's you know that's what you need your receivers to do. It it can't. You know, it's not always going to be a perfect situation. Um, and, and you know, I thought that was an A-plus against Baylor, and hopefully it's the springboard going forward. If Prather can can be, can continue this ascension, be that wide receiver one, where Ford Wheaton becomes more of the possession guy, the more of the we're going to throw screens to him, it almost, you know, everybody kind of slips down a peg in, in the role player uh, totem pole. And it makes a whole lot more sense. So if Prather can can you know continue this level of production, then I, I feel really good about the room going forward. Definitely. All right. Um, last but not least, on well for the offensive side of the ball, I think you know we we both have this as as the strength of the team. The offensive line, we both had it as a solid A. Um, mentioned that I you know I think they just played their best game uh, of the Neil Brown era against Baylor. Um, And this is, you know, a couple weeks after I think they played their best game in the Neil brown air against Virginia tech. Yeah, Um, We ran the ball for close to 200 yards on a pit defensive line that, you know, people a month later, people think is as good as we thought it was going into the end of the season. Right. You know, they, we did that to them. Nobody else has done that to them Mm -hmm. um, so far this year, Uh, except, well, I guess Tennessee did, but Tennessee's Tennessee's nice. So if we can be in conversation with Tennessee, then, you know, I'm happy to be in that conversation, but yeah, they've been, I think they've been dominant at times. Um, I don't even think, the JT, JT got hit like one time against Baylor? Um, something like that. So, I mean, they've been great and I, it feels like they're getting better every week.
1: Yeah, and, and that, this is all with, the you know, the right tackle. It, not, I want to say it's an issue, but, you know, we have four firm guys and then, you you know, you're getting some kind of shared time at the right tackle. You know, a great offensive line, I think, to the casual viewer is one, and it's like a ref, it's the one that you don't notice and you don't know their names. Um, we got dudes and this kind of similar to the running backs. I'd say the playbook is just wide open because we can pass protect JT can stand in there. He's got great pocket presence. We can run the ball. There's huge holes like this offensive line. Just, you know, it, it makes everything available. They've done their job fully. Um, and you we might have some league guys on this offensive line now we, we got some dudes. So, um, I think at we, least two. at yeah, least two, Yeah. And this is a hell of an offensive line. And, yeah, I think we both have it as the highest grade on the offense. This is this is what makes the offense go because, because this offensive line has been so reliable. So um, I, I don't want to know what our offense would, would be like without these guys. They're doing a hell of a job this year.
0: Yep. And this is, uh, you know, I think this is one of those we heard for three years be patient with these guys, right? Where this is one where we've kind of grown it organically. Um, you know, Nestor Edition aside, but these are dudes who we kind of threw out there and let them grow. And so this is kind of where people who uh, shit, I'll I'll be the poster boy for this. People who are preaching a little bit more patience with Neil Brown, maybe a little bit more patience with Jordan Leslie. Um, you know, everybody's like throw the young guys out there, but nobody wants to be patient (laughs) while they take their lumps. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen this group take its lumps. We ran for like three, we had one of the worst rushing attacks in the country two years ago. Uh, we've stuck with it. It's the same group of guys. And here we are two years on. And I, you know, I think we're like you said, we're running for almost, I think we're running for like 190 yards a game. Um, you know, uh, we, we've run it on some of the best defenses in the country. The only one we didn't really run it on was Texas. And that was because we got behind so fast that, you know, it's like, it's a game where you're immediately trying to throw to catch up, which, which made things worse. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I I've I've loved watching this room, this room grow. And like you said, it's yeah. there's there's no negative plays because of them, you know, they're they're awesome. They're awesome. Yeah.
1: All right. So you want to flip it to defense now. So flip for it. our defensive line grades, we both gave B's. Um, and you know, I think cool. kind of at least talking about our front front two levels, the, the difficult thing was that We've been really good against the run for the most part, and the defensive line, I think, in you know, in pass rush has been questionable. And you know, I think only sending the guys we're sending, you're not getting tons of pressure. But um, we've clogged up some good running games, you know, and that that's been the impressive thing. Obviously, Dante Stills. I think we have, um, you know, we have enough guys. We're rotating in on the D line. They're doing their job, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I think I don't know if it's being creative or, or changing up scheme or what. I do think getting a little bit more pressure is probably the way this defense has some success. But um I think all in all a B, you know. Probably a higher grade in the run defense, lower grade in the pass defense or the pass rush.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they're <clears throat> they're doing their job and they're just not quite getting maybe the support that we need from from the back six, back seven. Um, you know, like you said, Stills has been great. Jordan Jefferson's been great. The the two defensive ends have been uh you know Solid, if unspectacular, I guess is what I would say. Um, I don't know if we throw. Do we lump Bandit into this group or with the linebackers?
1: Probably linebackers. But okay,
0: yeah. okay. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, you know, it's, it's a it's a solid group. They're deep. Nobody, um, you know, Kansas didn't run right at us. The teams that have run right at us have not had success, and that includes that includes Pitt, that includes Virginia, you know, Virginia Tech, Texas, Baylor. And like none of them have had. Any sort of overwhelming success running right at us. Kansas had it, but they're doing their, you know, gimmicky yeah. bullshit. Which I'd love to play them now uh, and see how that goes. But, um, you know, yeah, that, uh, yeah, I think it's it's the strength of the defense. They've been solid, and with a little more pressure, could could kick that grade up even a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Okay, so moving next tier up, linebacking core you have them as a C plus I have them as a B minus think a similar story of like good against the run. Um, now we're talking more like pass coverage. Um, I know our linebackers have not been great. You know, I I think maybe the reason B minus for me, just a little higher is just like all Coba. Um, just man, he lays the boom when you give him the opportunity he seems like, yeah, and you've said it so many times, but it just seems like he is like a bottled up star that we just have to figure out how to get it out of him. because to unlock him, man. Because when, when he has his moments, he's that guy. Um, but I think there's a potential. I think there's a lot of potential in this linebacking room. So um, a lot of that being Copa, but um, have him a little bit higher than you. What do you, what do you think about the linebackers?
0: Um, yeah. So I put, yeah, exact same thing. They've been good against the run. Nobody's run right at him and, and really done anything. It's just when they, when they have to start, you know, when they're, you see their heads looking around and, and things, it's just not processing quickly right now. Um, and you know, maybe that's to be expected when you have a guy, you know, Kogba coming from Juco, um, guy like Jazir Cox, who's, uh, you know, coming from FCS guy like Lance Dixon, who, who hasn't played a whole lot. Maybe it's to be expected that, that the processing would slow down, but yeah, man, I really, I mean, the athleticism is there. I still, I, this, this is definitely the most athletic group that we've had. Um, Cox was around the ball a ton against yeah. Baylor. So maybe, maybe he's starting to figure things out, uh, at the will. Um, and, and Koga, man, we just, <laughs> we gotta figure out what to do. I, I really, I mean, we should be blitzing him like five or 10 times a game. I think I put the stat, um, Jake had the tweet about, you know, how, whatever, however many havoc plays we had against Baylor, um, and uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to get into this uh, about this weekend's game as well, but Kogba has like 10 pressures and two sacks and 37 pass rush opportunities. You know what I mean? Like when we've, when we've kind of turned him loose, he's been productive, I, you know? Uh, so uh, pro football focus tracks a win rate, right? Where you, you're one-on-one with a blocker. How often are you getting by him? Kogba has, Coba's at 30% right now, which is, I think I put the, it's the 12th highest number in P five, um, for off ball linebackers. So like, this guy's good when we send him into the backfield, when we let him go hunt, basically where he struggles is when we're like, Hey, sit back and and figure out what's going on. You know? So it's like, dude, when you have a heat seeking missile, give it a, give it a target. Right. You know, that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. So um, definitely potential to be higher for the second half of the season. He's one of the, one of the strengths we were kind of talking about earlier, where it's like, figure out what this guy can do and just let him do that. You know, stop asking him to do shit. He can't do.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think he's definitely a weapon that, you see him shine, and, and yeah, just getting him in the right positions, right times. That's that's I think the improvement to be made in the linebacking core. Um, yeah, so so moving to the secondary now, we both have it as a D, and you know my D was I think if you take it at face value, it's an F. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. to be honest, like mine maybe, started as an
0: F, obviously.
1: We're we're a P five team, and you know you look at the secondary. It is, I, I put it as a D because um half is the conversation of charles woods being out and it's like okay well if you told me are all big 12 i remember conversations people were having before the season of like okay charles woods is going to do well and then everyone else is going to have to figure it out well if you told me charles woods was gone what would the expectations of the secondary be like are we doing that much worse than you would expect and the conversation you were kind of just mentioning of like you let the young guys take their lumps and that's what's happening this is this is just what happens when you throw young guys out there this is the um, lump
0: taking portion of the <laughs> it's
1: the unfun lump taking yeah. that, that is required when you're like 18 19 years old and you're playing power five you know college football
0: yeah man I I, I completely uh so obviously we're in agreement we had the same grade mine started out as an F as well um and, and for me, the Woods thing is kind of the same conversation as as the, the Prather thing, right? Where Prather's emerging as a true wide receiver one right now, and it kind of kicks everybody down the totem pole a little bit. If Woods was there, it would kind of do the same thing where we'd only have one of McCormick or Ajayi playing, or maybe it would just be Spells over there, and he would be okay because he would have help over the top on every, you know? Um. So so there's that. And then as, as shitty as they've been, and they've been, I mean, literally one of the worst groups in FBS this year um, terms of forced incompletions, you know, passing yards allowed per attempt uh, rating, all this stuff. And then obviously the eye test, right? Um, I watched Baylor throw for a thousand yards on us uh, on Thursday. And uh, you know, so my eyes saw that, but I think there's some bright spots. I already, I already talked about Burks. So I don't need to go in him some more um, is, spells is feast or famine at this point. Um, he's made a lot of really good plays. He's made a, you know, a lot of really bad plays. And then, I talk about him every week, but Hershey McLaurin another one like Pogba where when when you're not seeing the little loading icon over his head, he's catching bodies, man. He mm-hmm. had a tackle for loss against Baylor where he filled the alley that you, you kind of slipped the block and filled the alley that they were trying to run into and just destroyed this running back for like a you know one or two yard loss. Um, and he's one where it's like, man, should we be playing this guy at like linebacker in passing situations and just saying like, hey, yeah. don't let the quarterback run. That's your job. Um, just kind of go wherever you want. Don't let the quarterback run or just go get the quarterback, you know, even just blitz him. Um, I don't know. I mean, so, you know, I I do as, as bad as we've been, I I do feel like, and this is another, you know, what I was talking about the strengths, it's like, I I feel like some of these guys have shown some things that they're good at that we need to lean into for these next six games. Um, They've shown some things that they're bad at as well, where it's like, okay, maybe don't ask them to do that. And I think McLaurin spells, you know, they're right there. So, yeah, but yeah, they've been awful. Let's not, let's not, <laughs> them. they've been really bad.
1: We're, we're just trying to sell you the good side. Yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, they are, they are like probably Antic a DF player. grade. So, you know, whatever, but yeah. it is, yeah, you're taking your lumps, you're missing your best player, uh, you know, an all conference guy. So we gave them Um, moving to special teams. And we both gave a C And I think this has been, Um, you've had some really nice things in your special teams, Casey leg, big doubt, you know, big, bright spot, the block kick versus pit, massive momentum changer. I think that had a solid impact on the game. Downsides have also been significant. You can't catch a punt. Um, I don't, I think we've turned the ball over twice on the punts, but you know, Mm -hmm. we've dropped a few more, um, and just got lucky. Uh, and then maybe just the slightest of, uh, of downgrade for the uh, kickoff touchdown from the uh, the FCS team we played. So C plus for, for both of us, what do you think about special teams?
0: Yeah. I, everything you said. And then I'd also add on the, the fact that we just don't have a kickoff return. We don't have any sort of return game, right? Like yeah. we, it's, it's enough for us to even try and catch a, catch a punt and we fair catch every kickoff. So it's just like, we're kind of accepting, yeah, just- <laughs> accept, accepting our fate and, and, you know, and in both of those situations, which is not ideal. Um, kickoff returns are like the most exciting play in sports for me. And we just watch our guy either watch it go over his head or fair catch it on the five yard line and take it at the 25. So yeah, yeah not, not good there. Yeah. So that brings us to the
1: last grade and this is for the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are Shane Lyons, and you are evaluating the West Virginia coaching staff. What are you going to give them?
0: So I'm going to give them a B man. I, uh, I, I don't hold some of the, some of the mistakes. I understand the trend. I understand that it's the trend that everybody keeps pointing to, to say, oh, this is, this is the coach's fault, but I don't hold as somebody who played, I don't, I, I would have never blamed a drop pass like myself dropping a pass or myself muffing a punt on coaching. Right. Like that's just something that I did. Um, you know the one real indictment for me is is coming out flat against Texas. That's a horrible look. We got our asses kicked and and just had nothing for them. But the flip side to that coin is that we're you know a handful of snaps away from being uh, five and one, um, four and two, whatever you want to say there. Um, you know we're a handful of snaps from winning either the Pitt or the Kansas game or both. Um, and then the fact that that they just haven't quit. You know we talked about it in the Baylor review. Uh, there were there's a there's been ample opportunity, even against Texas, we didn't quit, right? We fought back, we won the second half of that game. Um, and so for me, the fact that the team still believes them, whom I as a fan, where I you know I'm, I'm with the, the team for three and a half hours every weekend. The people who are with Neil Brown and the coaching staff for uh, you know 60, 70 hours a week still believe in them. So why would, why would I not? So I don't know, what do you think? I
1: gave them a B as well. Um, I, I think Pitt, Virginia Tech and back-against-the-wall Baylor game, all three games that you came out very prepared and ready to win and, you know, play well. So, the, you know, obviously the two rivalry games were very important, and I think our team, you know, we lost Pitt, whatever, but we, we were ready to play, and we, we played. We played them for four quarters. Virginia yep. Tech, I think we came out, and once we settled in, you know, we dominated that game. You know, Kansas is a game that maybe got caught off guard, but we obviously weren't the only team this year. Texas we came out flat. I mean that that stinks, but you know all in all I don't think we uh I don't think our losses were because of our coaches. Like Texas probably more talented than us. Um you know, you hope you come out a little better, but man the ball just wasn't tipping our way that day. I mean, we had, you know, interceptions getting getting caught, tipped off and you know, stuff like that was happening to us. Pitt, we didn't lose that game because of coaching. Kansas, you know, I don't know. That was the, the Kansas phenomenon this year. So I feel like I don't feel like the coaches, like the decision making, you know, we're still having some things that we've seen, but I don't think the coaches are holding us back. And uh, I would give it a B, you know, I think it's, I think I'm happy with how things have gone this year in terms of the coaches.
0: Agreed. I think, I think they've done a, you know, the, the pieces are the pieces and then they've done a good job with the pieces. So, all right. So quick recap. Uh, we both went B-plus quarterbacks, running backs. I went B-plus, you went A-minus. Both went Bs for receivers. Both went A for O-line. A lot of agreement here. Both went B for D-line. I went C-plus, you went B-minus for linebackers. Both went D for secondary. Both went C-plus for special teams. And both went B for coaches. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I feel good about those rankings. Three and three could be better. I don't think it could be worse. So, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, I think three and three is the right record for us. You probably should have won one of Kansas or Pitt. You maybe should have probably lost Baylor.
0: No, um, we're not. We're not going to say that.
1: So whatever, we're three and three.
0: It's halfway through the season. We're moving forward. That's right. Two Texas Tech, three o'clock or three 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 thirty, I think three thirty kickoff in Lubbock uh, this weekend. Um, a place where we have not had a lot of success um, against a team that Neil Brown has not had a lot of success against uh, Neil Brown. zero and three against Texas tech. And um, as bad as we've been over the last three years, I do feel like we had the better team in all three of those games. So definitely concerning. They've been the monkey on the back there, man, for, for, yeah. for Neil Brown, uh, Texas tech coming in at a, at an even three and three, just like us uh, wins over Texas, Murray state Houston. So two really good, uh, two really good wins. Um, against Texas and Houston and then no bad losses, right? They've lost to Oklahoma state. They lost to Kansas state and and they got thumped a little bit by NC state in Raleigh. So um, I don't know. I feel like they're, they're a sneaky three and three team. I think they're a little bit better than, than I thought they would be. What are you, what's your, uh, what's your read on Texas tech?
1: Definitely better than I expected. Sneaky three and three. Um, you know, Houston was a, 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 very solid out of conference win, uh, NC State, you lose by 13. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's a shocking result. Then you get a massive win versus Texas. Um, an unlikely win. I think this was the lowest post-game win probability game of the season so far. Like, they shouldn't have won it, but they somehow did. Uh, but you found a way, you get it done. Um, actually, their last five games they've played were against teams that were ranked when they played them. So that's kind of interesting. battle Battle-tested. Um, yeah. So they, they've been, you know, going through the last five weeks and I, I actually was wrong. it is a three o'clock kick. I thought it was three thirty. I'm looking at it right here. Um, but yeah, this team, you know, no bad loss on the schedule. You lose to Oklahoma State, Kansas State and NC State. Those are all respectable teams. Yeah. You have a great win versus Texas and a solid win versus Houston. Um, this isn't the ninth ranked team in the conference like we thought preseason, though. Hell, somebody in this conference has to be the ninth-ranked team, and I think you can sell upside on every single team in this conference. I mean, it was Oklahoma, the ninth best team in this conference. So, you know, they're out here throwing punches. They're 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 just fine. The quarterback situation, you know, they've they've already played three quarterbacks this year. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the crazy thing, but they've found success with all three. Um, so. You know, this is a wild card game. This is the like monkey on the back game for Neil Brown. This is like I think this pisses off our fan base a lot that we've lost all three times at Texas Tech, especially how we lost it last year coming out, going down what, like three or four scores in the first half to nothing. It was like twenty to nothing, yeah. It was bad. It, bad. So, you know, this is a game coming off a big win versus Baylor. Hopefully you're building. I for one do not understand the line. Um I, I don't know if you want to get into that after the breakdown, but Texas no, get in the s- favorite.
0: Start about it now, yeah. I mean, minus four and a half, which, you know, okay, they're they're the home team. Um, but the the weird thing, it's moved to seven and a half as of uh, you know, forty minutes ago when we started doing this podcast. So um not sure what what everybody else knows that I don't know. Um, you know, I think Texas, Texas Tech's fine. They're they're good, but I mean, more than a touchdown. Again, this is the propaganda campaign. Somebody has been very successful with this. West Virginia is the worst team in the conference. Propaganda campaign,
1: yeah. And you know, every everything's kind of pointing towards uh, Morton is going to be the quarterback Mm -hmm. uh, this weekend. And you know, he was the third stringer to start the season. He's thrown seventy nine times in his career at this point. Um, You know, his PFF grade isn't isn't fantastic, um, but you know, he's he's thrown three picks so far in in just seventy nine attempts um but you know obviously had a pretty solid game you know being able to move the ball recently um and and you know this offense i don't know this this offense could light us up because any offense has the capability to light us up so uh they're going to go fast that's you know something that kind of lends to wear down defenses and also you know when you have that kind of like Inexperience, experience, like getting the plays in, you know, getting set. That's always one of those things I like when we do it, when we go fast, but, um, you know, you wonder that you have a great running combo and, and, you know, slinging the rock around how we're going to deal with the speed. Um, I know you have this stat in here about the, the speed of this team that they run a play every 21 seconds.
0: Um, so that including, that including in. like the live ball time, right? So like a play happens and then they snap it again. Uh, in 21 seconds, which is just insane. Yeah, they run. So 87 plays per game. Um, the next highest in the country is, is 79. Uh, so they're, they're absolutely flying. And, and for context, you know, they do every 21 seconds. We do like every 25 and a half and we're not, we're not a slow team, right? Like we go tempo. Um, if you look at, you know, somebody like a Georgia or Baylor, it's, it's up, you know, 30 North of 30, 31, 32. So, you know, they're, they're going 10 seconds faster than like your average, um, offense. Um, but to be expected, right. They brought in Zach Kitley from Western, Western Kentucky, and he has been who he's been. Um, he did the same thing last year, threw the ball around a ton, uh, went fast. Uh, they've been pretty good, right? So beta rank has them 39th and O score, uh, 11th in drive efficiency. Um, not too much explosiveness. So, you know, very similar to ourselves. They're, they're 79th in explosiveness. They're not hitting a ton of big plays. They're just snapping the ball, gaining five, six, seven yards, throwing it then doing it again. Um, I thought it was weird that so so beta rank has them as the 13th ranked effective pass team. PFF has them as the lowest graded passing attack in the Big 12. Um, and then Parker. So CFB graphs, which I think he leans just on uh, EPA, you know, expect expect the points added. Doesn't really like them a lot either. Has them the 80th ranked passing, att- you know, 80th ranked EPA per pass play. So um, I guess it, it's a, it's an interesting contrast between the raw numbers where they throw it more than anybody. They're doing 50.7 attempts per game, which is the most in the country. And I think they have the second most yards per game. Um, but then you look at some of these, some of these uh, independent grading, you know, analytic models kind of things and, and. It, per play, it's not a ton, but I think it's just the volume and the efficiency that they hit you with that is that is the trouble, and and certainly is probably going to pose a problem for us. um What do you what are you seeing in the models?
1: Yeah, the volume is is definitely you know different than a per play metric. You know, you'd rather just be very efficient and in your plays, and you know do the plays you need to do and, and move the ball. You know, running the most plays per game, all that means to me is they have a lot of quick possessions um you know like the classic big 12 model of like the eight play drive that lasts like 90 seconds you know that that's kind of what you you know also the speed the hurry up no huddle moving the ball quickly um you know getting to the line and snapping it um and you know one thing we see it was the west virginia offense when we do this you know the kind of the air raid characteristic of getting the ball up and snapping it quickly doesn't have to be passing running the ball you really, if you're, you know, your front six, front seven isn't set, you can really just run off some chunk plays. And we've done it this year, you know, just getting up to the line after a big gain, snapping the ball, inside run, you know, and you know, get a big gash. So, you know, they have plenty of, you know, talent in the in the running back room. They also have plenty of talent in the receiving room. I, I feel like this is a team that can really just like cycle guys in. When you look at the stat sheet, it's really like fleshed out with lots of guys who are producing you know, a considerable amount, but, um, I don't know any like major stars. So even though you're losing, you know, even though you're missing your original starting quarterback here, feels like this is like this entire offense. Um, other than maybe the offensive line is just a unit of like, these are just rooms full of guys who can all, all kind of produce at a similar level.
0: Yeah, they, they definitely, they fill up the box score. Um, you know, they have, well, let's let's start with the quarterback. So you said Morton. Morton's probably looking like he's he's going to start. He's a redshirt freshman. He's the, he's the highest graded quarterback recruit, uh, highest rated quarterback recruit that they've ever had at Texas Tech. So definitely comes in with some pedigree. And like you said, man, he was slinging it against Oklahoma State. I watched a good bit of that game. And uh, kid can play, man. Kid can spin the rock. Um, they threw a lot of screens with him. I think it was like when I, I, I looked at his numbers, is like eighteen percent uh, of his attempts are screen passes. So like one out of every five plays is going to be a screen and they'll actually stack them. You know, they'll run two or three of them in a row. So if you're in some sort of a base defense, like you said, they hit you for six, seven yards, get back on the line, snap it in three seconds. And if you're not up again, they'll just throw it right back out to the same guy. Um, so, so definitely something for us to pay attention to, um, look decently athletic. I think to me, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a big design run threat, but, but can move around a little bit and definitely scramble. Um, if we get some pressure, um, and then you said it, man, I hold their, uh, I hold their running backs in the highest of esteems. I, yeah, I think I even said about Sir Roger Thompson over the summer, that guy feels like he's been there for like eight years and has just killed us. Uh, and then Taj Brooks is really good too. Both of them, both of them are effective. I think, so if we look at it combined, it's, it's 117 rushing attempts for the two of them, 525 yards, six touchdowns, um, about three yards after contact 38 missed tackles forced. And then. Uh, Very crucially, 34 combined targets, um, which is I think the it would either be the most or second most um, on the team. I don't have the number. If you have the numbers or if you want to pull them up, but they throw the ball to the running back a lot, and so that's something where we you know we talked earlier about the the linebackers um, struggling in coverage a little bit. That's something that I would look at as maybe an area of concern of of, you know tracking these guys coming out of the backfield, tracking these guys. you know, uh, as they're, as they're running routes. So um, anything you want to add uh, either quarterback or uh, running backs? Yeah. I
1: mean, just having the dynamic, you know, having the, having the two headed monster at the running back position, um, you know, another thing is, you know, not having Donovan Smith, he was a, you know, they, they liked to run him a lot. He did get out. He almost averaged the same amount per carry as both of the backs. Um, But yeah, these guys are going to get touches. And, and, you know, when you run this fast offense, when you're running a lot of plays, you kind of do have to have uh, recyclable or reusable parts almost. You got to get guys in there. And, um, yeah, as soon as you wear one down and stop one guy, they're just going to go to the second. Um, and, yeah, I mean, really, when you look at the numbers,
0: these guys are almost identical. It's it's just like the yeah, same guy. Same kind of player, yep. Which, which is a funny
1: transition because when you look at the receiving room, same exact it's, thing. it's like eight of the same guys if you're looking at a box score. Yeah. Um, so they have 11 guys who have been targeted at least 10 times this year. They have seven guys who've been targeted at least 20 times. Um, and yeah, it, it's just kind of spread the wealth here. So you have, you um, yeah, you mentioned the, the running backs are getting targets, the tight end, Tharps getting targeted, um, and you just got a slew of guys. I guess the top guy would probably be Duran Bradley and, um, but, I mean, it's really not by much. I mean, you really look across the the target's share. He actually has a lower receiving percentage. I'm looking at Miles Price. He caught 30 of his 39 targets. So that's good for 77%. It's pretty solid. Um, and But, yeah, I mean, it's just like I. how do you hone in on one guy in this offense to really shut down? This isn't really an offense that's designed like that.
0: No, 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 not at all, not at all. And you're right, man. They they uh, they they typecast their guys, right? So they have the the interchangeable running backs, and then if you look. So Miles Price is a slot guy. I want to say, you can kind of tell who the slot guys are based on the completion percentage, right? So Miles Price, Xavier White, Nehemiah Martinez are are kind of the three slot guys. They're all around 75, between 75 and 80 percent of their targets are completed. Um, lower yards per attempt. And then lower, if you look at the um, average depth for target, they're lower. And then uh, Cleveland, uh, Duran Bladley, and Loic Fungi, uh, Fungi? Fungi, all those guys are right around 60% completions, but their average depth of target is uh, is much higher. Their yards per reception is much higher. So they, they're just typecasting and cycling these guys in. Like they throw the screen, they throw the underneath slough to, to, to Price, White, and Martinez. And then they take their shots to Bradley, Cleveland, and uh, and fungi. So, um, you know, like you said, when you're running a, you know, ninety plays a game, you you people get tired. So it makes sense to have two of everybody.
1: Yeah, and and like, I don't know what more to break down than that. This isn't like a team with a with a feature receiver or even really no, a feature no, no. back. Uh, this is just like a unit. This offense is is just like a big moving piece. So, yep. um, yeah, I mean, and that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to speed us up get us discombobulated, get us tired, cycle the new guys in. You know, the only thing that I'm looking at this offense and I do like is kind of the performance of the offensive line. And I think a lot of this, you mentioned the screen play, like a, you know, a high percentage of screens. When you look at this offensive line, PFF does not like them. Um, you know, pretty pretty poorly graded, um, both in pass and run block. And, you know, what do you do when you have an offensive line that's just letting people rip through? Well, you you run a lot of screens. You get balls out quick on short you know, plays hitting the slot guys quickly, you know? So th- I think the offense is kind of designed maybe with the, the, the strength and the weaknesses in consideration there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think the question is, are they going to run plays that there's enough time to get pressure? You know, what, what is the attack of this offense? Do you send guys knowing that they're going to, you know, run a lot of screens and quick outs or, you know, I don't know. How, how do you attack an offense like this would, would be my question.
0: So, so I went back and I I watched the, the NC state, um, the NC state game, which is, which is by far the, the fewest points they've scored. They only, they only scored 14. Um, And uh, you know, surprise, surprise. It's Gibby. Gibby's NC state's defensive coordinator. And if you guys remember, like when we would play Texas tech under Gibby, we would get in their face and we would send pressure. We would blitz the hell out of them um, because the, 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 They're too good at what they do if you don't disrupt them somehow, right? They're too good if you just let them get into this timing, this rhythm passing game where they're just bang, seven yards, bang, nine yards, bang, five yards. And, and, you know, if you're just on your heels giving them that, they're going to take it every single play, and we're not going to stop them one single time. Um, The way that you do it and the way that Gibby did it with us, the way that he did it with NC State is you create the havoc, man. You you get them in a second and long, and then – you get them in a third and long. I mean, they were in and obviously different quarterback. The offense is going to be the same, but the quarterback's different. Um, there, were, there had to have been five or six, third and 15 plus, you know, um, and then maybe like three or four more, third and 10 plus on top of that, where it's just, it's third and miles. And then that's when, that's when you sit in your cover four, you know, your, your quarters matchup or your cover eight or whatever. And you sit there and you give them a 10 yard completion on third and 17 and just make the tackle. Um, and that's, you know, that's the way Gibby always had success with this. That's kind of the way that I, that's, that's the way that I would attack him. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think we've seen that our guys are, are better when they're attacking than they aren't in coverage. you know, McLaurin, um, Kogba, all these guys are, are better when we're, we're kind of turning them loose with a, with a singular purpose as opposed to asking them to to figure out what to do. And so, you know, I would. I would try and create havoc on these guys. I would send Kogba, you know, go get Morton. It's a red shirt, freshman quarterback who, like you said, he's, he's played 80 snaps, you know, go get him. make him uncomfortable. Um, yeah. don't give him. don't give him time to just sit back there. There's not a quarterback in power five who, if you give them four seconds to look at your defense, can't find somebody open. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, I don't yeah. know. What do, what do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you're right. The havoc havoc is the recipe. Um, you know, I don't know how PFF exactly credits hurries when you have like a screen because, you know, there's kind of like a hurry by design. Yeah. Um, but so West Virginia is allowed 47 this year. Just for a reference point, um, Texas Tech has allowed 87 hurries yeah. this year. So, you know, and it's it's pretty much spread across all the guys on the line. I mean, this line we talked about it in the, in the preseason talk, but, you know, so they had a lot of transfers in this line really, you know, wasn't like a, a unit that's been there a long time. Um, also, poor Caleb Rogers. They have him. The team has allowed 16 sacks. They have him credited for allowing 13 of them, which is just really brutal attribution to this guy. But um, yeah, I mean, you can you can get pressure on this team. This is a game that you want to see Dante Stills get two and a yeah. half sacks. You want to see you know Copa coming in getting tons of you know hurries. You know, pass breakups at the line of scrimmage. This is the kind of thing where uh, this is probably the way to attack it. Also, the negative plays, like you said, when you are dinking and dunking and you're getting seven and you're getting back to the line. Well, what resets all of that? It's when your receivers run downfield and you get a sack. Okay, everyone's got to walk back to the line of scrimmage. Yep. It's kind of just like a fresh reset. And that's how negative plays and, and kind of habit chaos can can really derail an offense like this. Um so, yeah, I think that's the recipe on offense, I, or when we're on defense, when they're on offense. I I think this is a team that, you know, I think teams are going to be able to move the ball through us against us through the air. But this team is not as talented as the teams that we have played. Uh, this is not a Texas offense. I, I don't even know if this is as talented as a Baylor offense. Uh, they have they have their way of going about things, and they're good at that. But talent wise, I'm just not I'm not sure that uh, th- this is. At the top of what we've played against.
0: Yeah, I don't know. They don't they don't have a, a Monterey Baldwin or a you know a Gavin Holmes. And and shoot, I mean, last week I didn't think that Baylor had a Monterey Baldwin or a Gavin Holmes. Maybe that's just our special power this year is that we make people look amazing. But they're they're not a team that has beat anybody over the top. Um they're a team that has beaten people by getting on rhythm and like you said, dinking and dunking them to death. They beat Texas because they ran a hundred plays, and Texas just got exhausted. And by the fourth quarter, they they couldn't just couldn't couldn't even hardly line up anymore. You know, so I think I mean the the, the way you're successful on defense in this game, um, create some havoc. They've given the ball away a lot this year. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we mentioned it in a lead. They, so they're they're one of the ten worst teams in the country in terms of turnover margin. They're they're minus one point about like one point two a game. I think is the number I put in there. Um the only game that they've won the turnover battle was was Texas they were plus 2 every other game they've been minus um they were minus 3 against NC State they were minus 3 against Kansas State so um I think that's the recipe because they'll give you a, they've given other teams opportunities there's no reason to think that if we get in their face a little bit make them uncomfortable make them throw something before maybe they want to that they won't give us opportunities as well
1: yeah no, I think I think that's yeah exactly. And with a young quarterback, you wanna you wanna put him in those decisions and 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 force him to make some you know risky call risky calls. There, he's already turned the ball over to have three picks, um, in yep. very limited snaps. So definitely definitely the recipe um to to get out of there. So what about when West Virginia has the ball? Um, you know I will say the Texas Tech defense last year was. You know, downright horrendous. Uh, Looking back into our deep dive numbers, I'm seeing that last year they were 94th in the country in rush rank, 104th in pass rank. Uh, Been a different story so far this year. Um, You know, right now, beta rank has them at 49 rush and 10 in pass rank. Um, You know, you look at the box scores, high points 41 to Oklahoma State, 37 to Texas and K State. Um, but like you said, they just run a lot of plays. This is just like a high number of drives type of game. Um, when you really look at efficiency, this defense has actually been like all right and definitely way improved from last year.
0: Yeah, way, way improved. Um, I think 16th in D score overall in beta rank. Um, if you look at PFF and if you look at the, the EPA stuff, um, they don't like them quite as much, but, but definitely a much improved defense. Um, but I don't know. My, my perception of the defense is that they have like a handful of very good players, um, but like not a ton, not a ton of stuff behind it, almost mm-hmm. like they're, they're not super deep with like with awesome players. But they do have they do have like three or four guys who are who are very good. Um, so I guess let's, let's like let's start up front because that's where <laughs> that's where most of them are. Um, but. You know, we we kind of highlighted him coming into the season. Tyree Wilson, edge rusher. I think he's, he's a six six, like two forty. He's a huge dude out there. He's been their highest graded player. Already has thirty one pressures in six games and seven sacks. So that puts him on place for for a fourteen sack season. If he, I mean, if he keeps his pace up, he's going to win Defensive Lineman of the Year in the conference. So I think just just from the sheer production um, output. And then they also have uh, Jalen Hutchings. Um, and if you look, their, their top four defenders uh, based on individual PFF grade are all defensive linemen. So it's Wilson, and then it's three interior guys: um, Hutchings, uh, Tony Bradford, and Philip Bleedy. Um, they run a three-three-five, so they're going to have at least three of those guys on the field at, at any time. Um, I think the interior is counts a three technique, but super productive up front. Um, once you get past those four guys, though, yeah, there's not a ton. There's not a ton, um, but those four guys have been awesome.
1: Yeah, the front is 100%. I mean, the the defensive strength is, is definitely front-loaded. Um, so in terms of what PFF thinks, their pass rush, it's actually the first in uh, the Big 12. Kind of surprising. With, from all the great defensive fronts we've talked about, Oklahoma State, Texas, Baylor, uh, this is the number one ranked pass rush unit in the conference. But... Um, coverage wise, I mean, it just completely changes. They're second to last. I'll, you'll never guess who's last in the conference in coverage. Um, and by a healthy margin, it is West Virginia, but the second worst is Texas Tech. Um, I'm sure JT Daniels. JT Daniels is loving um, the sound of that. You know, this could be definitely a big game to to sling the rock around. Um, you know, if, if you have time to get the ball out, I feel like our offensive line, you know, this might be a matchup that really works for us. This has a, you know, been a solid pass rush team, but I really think we have the best, if not one of the best, offensive lines in the, you know, in the conference. If if there's time to throw, clearly there's gaping holes. Um, so offensive line does its job. JT Daniels gets the ball out. I think this is a matchup that you like. Um, you know, you said all of their their top-rated guys are on the front, you know, I guess uh, Rashad Williams and Malik Dunlap are your two corners. Um, you know, not not overly great um, grades for them. Yep. Um, so mm. I'm not even seeing. So they have they have just two interceptions on the season, both from the safety Reggie Pearson Jr. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, pass breakups not a lot. Obviously, they're they're allowing some catches downfield. Um, I mean dunlap and williams have allowed i just lost it here 25 catches between the two of them so Mm -hmm. you know i i think the the recipe is just manage this line but i like the matchup like i think this is a matchup that our offensive line is up for the task
0: yeah no i think i think you said it man this is this is a matchup where what we've been good at and kind of this identity that is forming for us over the last uh you know couple weeks where it's like a ball control air raid type of thing where we're, we're dinking and dunking. We're running the ball on people. Um, the, the same formula that was successful against Baylor can be successful against this team. And, you know, I we, we've we heaped praise on our offensive. I think this is a game our offensive line can control. Um, you know, Kansas State ran for 340 yards on these guys. Um, the corners are bad. So, you know, I expect Prather and, and Ford Wheaton to, to both be open. Uh, frequently so you know i think that the the things that we've been good at through six games are things that this team is su- is susceptible to so i i really like the matchup for our offense
1: yeah and you know i see that you have this down here but the you know the k state had a lot of success running the ball um so you know gonna be interesting to see how if the balance you know persists i don't off the top of my head throwing the texas game out i feel like pretty much every game this season we've we've kept the balance pretty well Mm -hmm. on offense. Um so this is, you know, a team that's definitely kind of front loaded with this pass rush and this front four. Um, so yeah, it's just gonna be interesting to see how it plays out if if we're still gonna have this balance or hell, just is this a game that you you give JT the ball and you say throw the ball fifty times and Prater's gonna catch it fifteen and Bryce Ford's gonna catch it fifteen. You know, like is that the is that the winning recipe? So um I think something to watch. I think the the receivers versus these corners is, is a matchup that I like. Um, I like it. I like it a lot, yeah. And, you know, I think you've talked about kind of where you're stepping down the depth chart. When you have two, almost like two number one receivers, um, you know, that really helps. When you have weak corners, you know, they they both need help. You can't just double the one guy. It, you know, it's you're going to find single coverage and that guy might just have a feast day like that. That's That maybe is just how it's going to go down.
0: Yeah. All right, man. So what do you, I mean, overall, we, we talked about the number Um, it's moved to, to yeah, seven and a half. Um, what do you think about that? And what's it going to, you know, do you do see us being successful, both covering and, uh, and winning the game? Seven
1: and a half is steep. I would get in <laughs> on the West Virginia side of seven and a half for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is, I mean, t- t- to me, it just, this feels like a game that we can absolutely, you know, if I'm, if I'm selling you the blue and gold colored glasses version of this game, we we just completely dominate the trenches on both sides of the ball, right? They have the worst offensive line in the country, or not in the country, <laughs> worst <laughs> offensive line in the conference, and our defensive line is a strength. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, we have one of the, maybe the best offensive line in the conference. And, you know, they... They the, the defensive line is their strength, but you know we have good receivers. I don't. I, re, I really feel like this. It's a good matchup for us um, up front on both sides of the ball. And if you're winning the trenches like that, it's really hard to lose uh, by more than you know by more than a touchdown. Especially, it's really hard to lose games if you're dominating the trenches, though. So I don't I know. Think, I think yeah. What, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was just say I think they're going to be points. I mean, I think you said the over under no. sixty eight, six points to Tech. That's a 37-31 game um you know that feels right maybe even higher I mean I think I, I think both teams are going to score clearly they've done it with their you know just kind of plug and play they have all these different guys that are you know it's kind of just you you go in and you assume this role but there's not one guy to shut down so I think that's you know something that's definitely a benefit to their offense but um I feel like we are going to be successful against this this defense I think we're going to be yeah. able to move the ball um like I said I mean they they tend to have a lot of high play games but um other teams have moved the ball defense has definitely improved but um i don't know i feel like you know this baylor game vibes are good you found a way to win a tough one that you know things finally went your way and uh yeah this could be a step you look at the next couple games on the schedule this could really get things rolling in the right direction so of course mountaineers by 100 maybe 200 um but i've got a good feeling i think this could be the thing you have to think Neil Brown and staff had this one circled. Like this is the one they've probably been getting hell over. Um, so I, I think this one, Neil hasn't, you know, three straight years. You have to um, have to figure out how to beat this team when you have probably been the better team every time.
0: Um, why not this time? 100%. 100%. Just, just go win. Like you said, you you get this one, get this monkey off your back you got, who do we have coming up next? I was, or sorry, TCU. I mean, you know, the, shit. we win this one. It's going to be rocking for TCU. If you yep. get TCU, then you have what, Iowa State? You have, so yeah, you have
1: tech this week. You have TCU, Iowa State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. That's your, that's your kind of like little mini season in there. There's, coming off the Baylor win. You know, if you if you could get two or three of those, I mean, I feel like two is very gettable. Two is reasonable.
0: Um, two is reasonable. And um, you,
1: you get this one, like you said, you roll it over into a two-game winning streak. You roll it over for a home game versus TCU, then you feel like you get Iowa State after that, if you you know, and then Oklahoma, whatever they are. But then, you know, this could be that kind of like stepping stone game. This could be that middle to late part of the season run, which we've seen Neil Brown teams do. We've mm-hmm. seen them kind of regroup mid-season and figure it out on the back half. Um, and this could be, you know, shoved right in the middle of that potential stretch that we go on.
0: Yep, absolutely. Get the monkey off the back. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Any
1: more? Any more things to add? This is a a, a jam packed episode. We have a lot. to Yeah,
0: add. we Yeah, we had a lot to back. talk about. No, I'm I'm good. I'm all spent. Takes takes are spent.
1: Cool. All right. Well, I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy. He's Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. Good at us on Twitter. We have a Twitter for the pod. It's at WestbyPod. We're on smokingmusket.com. Um and yeah, we'll be back next week. Get you ready for the big showdown against likely a top ten TCU. Um let's go Mountaineers.
0: Let's go. One two.